We're back. We sometimes do obituaries on the show, and this would be the time to do them in our third segment. I must admit, I was kind of, it was kind of creepy the way I learned about uh, Jack Kemp's passing. I was checking someone on Dead or Alive, a website that tells you whether someone's alive or dead, and the newest entry was Jack Kemp. Checked the headlines, and sure enough. Also, was checking one of our favorite blog sites, uh, News From Me, Mark Evanier in L.A., and that's when I learned about the passing of Dom DeLuise. The latter was a funny guy, and we should devote a few words to him, but let's concentrate today on talking about the late Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp was a pretty influential politician in conservative circles. He was a New York congressman, a cabinet secretary, a presidential candidate, and a vice presidential candidate on the ticket with Bob Dole in 1996. Before that, he'd been a professional football star, a quarterback, in fact, for the Buffalo Bills. Kemp was a fervid advocate of tax cuts and was quite influential in the actions taken in the early years of the Reagan administration. Kemp stood out in a lot of ways, and uh, some of the quotes about him uh, I have found rather startling. Let's go through a few of those. According to Edwin Fulner, former campaign advisor to Kemp and president of the Heritage Foundation, he was a bleeding-heart conservative. He was a good friend and a real hero to a lot of us. It was noted that as a congressman, Kemp was one of the few members of the House, along with the Speaker Tip O'Neill, to have national name recognition. With his Kennedy-esque hairstyle, boyish good looks, unbounded enthusiasm, and a raspy voice, Kemp seemed destined to move to the fore in the Republican Party, and he certainly did. He was the leading architect of the Kemp-Roth tax bill, first proposed in 1970, along with Senator William Roth of Delaware that proposed a 30% cut in federal taxes over three years. Noted Ronald Reagan biography Lou Cannon, Jack, more than any other person, made Reagan aware of the potential appeal of supply-side economics. In case you've forgotten what that is, that was the idea that if we cut taxes, economic growth would be stimulated. In the early 1980s, this was usually uh, demonstrated what was called the Laffer Curve, wherein economist Arthur Laffer basically put, you know, a parabola on a graph and said, this is, what, this is what happens to tax revenues as you increase tax rates. In other words, it went up for a while, but when it got too high, people weren't paying it and it would come back down again. So Kemp was very influential in the Reagan tax cuts. He had some wacky views, though, favored a return to the gold standard, took a hard line against the Soviet Union, and supported aid for the Nicaraguan Contras. Like everyone with serious aspirations for the White House, he was considered a firm friend of Israel. He never could quite snag the uh, party's nomination for president, however, and the closest he got was when Bob Dole tapped him to be his running mate to run against Bill Clinton in 1996. Here's a quote I love about him. In many ways, Kemp was ahead of his time in Republican circles, calling for the party to embrace all races and ethnicities and pushing for inclusion of blacks, Latinos, and Jews. Wow, what a concept. This did earn uh, Kemp some kind words uh, from minorities in America. But even Bob Herbert, writing for the New York Times, who is black, noted that uh, Jack Kemp meant well, but according to Herbert, ended up carrying the ball for the rich. Herbert cited a game he saw back in the 60s where, uh, where Jack Kemp was quarterbacking the Bills against Joe Namath in his first appearance in New York Jets uniform. And it did note that neither Namath nor Kemp had to worry about uh, serving in Vietnam at that time because both had 
football injuries, rendering them unfit for military service. That's right. Professional, at that time, AFL quarterbacks were not able to serve because of injuries to their knees. Which does remind me of whenever I hear people talking about how we need to reinstate a draft because if we do, then the people that make policy won't want to see their children hurt and it'll be safe for all of us. Well, this usually comes from people that didn't ever have to face a draft. Because let me tell you, a certain class of people were never really at risk. But returning to his obituary, the Times noted that despite his good looks and, and charisma, Kemp did poorly on the national stage. His economic concepts, which he sold in the stump with the zeal of a fundamentalist preacher, seemed wonkish and failed to convert voters. His campaign style was seen as undisciplined and impatient. Political analysts saw him as unwilling to play politics in a manner which would bring victory at the polls. And here's the quote I love the most. Maybe this might be the quote of the entire year so far. Veteran Republican consultant Edward Rollins says he recalled telling Kemp, if I could remove two-thirds of your knowledge and three-fourths of your vocabulary, I could make you into a decent candidate. Which I think, folks, explains right then and there the presidency of George W. Bush. Because I bet if you stacked him up next to a Jack Kemp, you'd find he had, perhaps, one-third of the knowledge and one-fourth of the vocabulary. What strikes me as a little odd is that Republican political analysts think that's a good thing. I do like one thing about Kemp. He was five foot ten and 150, which kept him being recruited uh, for the quarterback position by schools like USC or UCLA, so he instead went to Occidental College on his way to serving in the pros. And you know, it isn't just a matter of him avoiding the draft. He actually was in the Army Reserve, but didn't uh, actually get called to duty because of an old football injury. That was a decision made by the Army years before Kemp's best season in the pros. He led the Bills to four division titles and two AFL championships in seven years. I, I did like a letter that somebody wrote, uh, wrote in a blog on the web, noting that the year after he was not called up for service during the Berlin crisis, 1961, he went to the Chargers and led them to a division title, passed for 2,686 yards and 15 touchdowns. Of course, he might be forgiven for all that, except for the fact that during the Vietnam War, he was a vociferous supporter. I guess long as someone else had to serve while he was playing quarterback. After Kemp sought the Republican nomination in 1988 and lost out to George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush then surprised him by offering a cabinet post, making him uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Apparently, an outcome of that were these economic uh, zones established around many American cities. That was, that was Kemp's idea. Personally, while I think that the Laffer curve was probably uh, something of an oversimplification, I think there is something to Jack Kemp's idea that you don't want to overtax the American populace. The fiendishly difficult part comes in deciding where overtaxation begins and, you know, a proper amount ends. In short, he wasn't perfect. Uh, he was a little bit conservative for uh, this correspondent's taste in some areas, but uh, I do think that Jack Kemp did accomplish some good things. Well, we have only one minute left, unfortunately, so let me refer to an email sent to me by both Jerry and Millie, which referred to the sensational video on YouTube, which had two million hits, I think, last week, of Snowball the Parrot. 
Snowball was apparently dumped off at the Bird Lovers Only Rescue Service in Cherville, Indiana, back in 2006, along with a CD of his favorite music. As his owner dropped him off, he did note, oh yeah, Snowball dances. And indeed, when you play the Backstreet Boys, <laughs> you've got to see this video. Snowball is shaking a leg. They thought it just might, might be an accident or he only did it to one song, but when scientists heard about this and decided to test Snowball, they would vary the beat and discover that the bird kept dancing in time to the music. It was previously believed that human beings were the only animals known to dance. Anyway, you might want to check this one out for yourself on YouTube. It's pretty funny. And that about does it for time. Our thanks to Dr. Alex Hutchinson of Popular Mechanics Magazine. And, of course, our good pal Will Durst. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Next week, we're going to see if we can't catch up on some, uh, some piled-up science topics. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>